This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to be with you today. A lot of news going on going on in Washington, D.C., a lot of things going on in our country, so we're going to try to get to as much as possible. The first, uh, before I do that, I want to talk about uh, a few things that, that will help you stay informed. First, you can always visit our website, AFR.net. AFR.net, when you're on our website, we have a lot of good resources there. But the main thing is you can catch all the past shows here, not only Exposing Washington, but all other shows you hear on American Family Radio. The vast majority of those are available at our website, AFR.net, 24-7. You can also download the AFR app and not only listen live there, but you can also catch podcasts or past shows there on the AFR mobile app. And we have the app available on various platforms, Roku, Apple TV, Apple devices, uh, we have uh, it available on Amazon, Alexa, on Android devices, so on and so forth. So a lot of different ways to keep up with the show. So you can do that. Just type in Exposing Washington AFR on the Internet, and uh, you'll find various ways to keep up with the show. And the, all the stories that I talk about today, we'll post some of the links on our podcast page at AFR.net at the Exposing Washington page at AFR.net. The first thing I want to start off, and that's this is in the news uh, the latter part of this past week, is the Roger Stone sentencing. And we spent a good portion of the show last week talking about Roger Stone's trial, his sentencing hearing, and how the prosecutors at the Department of Justice completely subverted William Barr. The prosecutors under the Department of Justice completely subverted and disobeyed and, uh, and, and uh, uh, disobeyed uh, William Barr when it came to the Roger Stone sentencing recommendation. Uh, William Barr, the attorney general, met with the lead prosecutor in this case and said, look, nine years is too much. It's excessive, unnecessary, unfair. We need to bring this back, bring this down to maybe three or four years, or really just leave it up to the judge. The prosecutor completely ignored the attorney general's order and recommendation, went rogue, and later had to resign from the case. This all went on in the past two weeks. And President Trump has spoken out about it. And I don't know why the media is so shocked that the president would dare speak out about something going on in the Department of Justice. That's what President Trump does, is he speaks out on things that are crossing his mind, and he gives his opinion about what's going on, and he has the absolute right to do so. 
He is, as I mentioned last week, he is the chief executive officer. He's the boss over the Department of Justice. And if he wants to weigh in on a criminal case, he has the full constitutional right to do that. Now, that's not the political uh, weight, the, the political considerations that you have to take into to consideration when you're talking about weighing in to ongoing investigations, et cetera, et cetera. Some things may not look good, but that's not a legal argument. Just like the impeachment thing, the entire impeachment case was built on that it just wasn't good that President Trump asked the Ukrainian president to look into corruption, which shouldn't make anybody upset. That might not have looked good politically to ask the Ukrainian president to look into the Bidens, which I think it was a great idea. But politically, I could see how people would say maybe he shouldn't have done that. But legally, he had the full right to do that, which is why the entire impeachment hoax ended with a whimper. And now we have an exonerated president and an acquitted president. And the Democrats have basically used their last option. Uh, they used the nuclear button, so to speak, on President Trump, and it just didn't work. So Roger Stone just this past week was sentenced to 40 months, just under four years, uh, about three and a half years, in federal prison. Roger Stone was sentenced to three years for a few process crimes, which that's that's even three years is a little bit uh, excessive, in my opinion, and when you look at other comparative cases. But nonetheless, President Trump still has the option to pardon Roger Stone. And we'll see if he does that or not. He, some people talk about how he needs to wait till after the election. Honestly, if I was President Trump, I would do it like tomorrow because it's not really going to make a difference. In the grand scheme of things, President Trump's supporters are not going to be swayed on whether or not he pardons Roger Stone. And if you look at the entire Roger Stone case and the Michael Flynn case and the Paul Manafort case and the rest of them and the George Papadopoulos case, or yeah, George Papadopoulos when you look at these cases, they're all without the Russia hoax, which was illegitimate. When you look at these cases across the board, there there would be no process crimes, process charges with Michael Flynn, with Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, and others. There would be no prosecutions of these guys without the Russia hoax. Without the Russia hoax. And as President Trump has argued, the entire origins of this investigation into President Trump and his campaign, it was all based on no evidence, no evidence of a crime, which some would argue that makes the entire investigation illegitimate. And I would tend to agree with that. So Roger Stone, as I mentioned, three years or 40 months in prison, and we'll look to see President Trump pardon him in the coming months. Shifting gears back to the Democrat debate just this past uh, week, we had a Democrat debate in Nevada, and Sanders, Bernie Sanders and Bloomberg and others, they were sparring over whether socialism is the best way to go or this hybrid capitalism, they like to call it. They call it capitalism, but I'm not sure any Democrats for capitalism at this point. 
But let's listen to Bernie Sanders and Michael Bloomberg spar over who's who's more rich and who's more of a socialist than the other. Clip one. Let's listen. I believe in democratic socialism okay, for enough. working people, not billionaires. Health care for all, Wait, educational Senator. opportunity all right, Senator, for all. Senator, thank you, Mayor Bloomberg. Would you like to, that the, the for question all, was about socialism. What a wonderful country we have. The best-known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What I miss here? Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, House 1. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, House 2. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer look, camp. Forgive me for that. Look, Where is your home? Look, which tax which tax haven New do you York, have your home? New York City, thank you very much. Yeah, right, and I pay all my home. taxes. And I'm happy to do it because I get something for it. And let me say, I thought that the senator next to me was half right. I agree we should raise taxes on the... No. I disagree with the senator on the wealth tax, but I do agree with her that the rich aren't paying their fair share. Well, there you have it. That's, uh, that was um, Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York City, arguing with Bernie Sanders about who, who was more of a capitalist, who was more of a socialist. But the, the point he made there about Bernie Sanders, the senator from Vermont, is that Pretty much everyone on that stage is at a minimum a millionaire. With the exception of maybe one or two of them. But the rest of them, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, they're multi-millionaires. And that in and of itself shows what's wrong with Washington, D.C. The fact that senators... It's one thing if a if a if a lawmaker, if a senator, if an elected official is a very successful entrepreneur, business person, and they generate wealth on their own prior to running for office, that's one thing. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wealth. It's a good thing. But I'll guarantee you that Bernie Sanders' net worth was not what it is today. 30 years ago, 40 years ago when he first ran for office. These politicians build their net worth on their office based on their elected office. And that's that is the gets to the core of what's wrong with our country. You have people in the Democrat Party and in the Republican Party, but mainly I'm talking about the Democrats. They're running on issues, running on policies which take away freedom, add more government, and cause our country to go down the tube. And they're doing it all in the name of fairness, equality, going after the rich. But they themselves are rich. They themselves are in the 1% because they've leveraged their office for financial gain. And that's what's wrong with Washington, D.C. Your net worth should not go up when you move to Washington, D.C. Unless back home you're running a very successful business like President Trump. Or like Mike Bloomberg. Transitioning to clip two here. This is Michael Bloomberg again on capitalism. Very good point here. Let's listen to clip two. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. 
It's ridiculous. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. Well, there you have it. There you have it. That's Michael Bloomberg saying, look, this is a Democrat. He's saying, look, socialism doesn't work. We've tried that. Talking about other countries, they've tried that. It doesn't work. We're not going to just throw away capitalism. And to that, I actually agree with Michael Bloomberg. And you're seeing this right now across the country in the in the business sector, even in the big business sector, where you have these corporations who are politically and ideologically aligned with the Democrats, and they like to virtue signal, so on and so forth. But when you, when you go to the boardrooms, when you go to the executive meetings, they all want President Trump to win again, even though some of them hate President Trump. They hate his politics. They hate his his behavior, the way he's brash and he fights and he's tough. These companies hate it because it's not in line with their leftist liberal ideology. But in their heart of hearts, they want President Trump to win. Why? Because the stock market is going crazy. Because these companies, their profits are going insane because of the economy. Because of the economy. And we don't need to buy into the lie that the economy is only working for the big guy. Because that's what that's the that's the top Democrat talking point is that the economy is not working for the little guy. The economy is not working for the working man. The economy is working better for the working class than it has worked for them in decades. That's lined up statistically. Economically, that lines up in all the polls that you see. Consumer confidence is high. Wages are growing, not just wages at the top. And this shows you that the Democrats do not mind mind lying to you. This is a prime example. The Democrats will say that our economy is not doing is not. It's not doing well for the people at the bottom. It's not doing good for the working class. When statistically, everything shows the opposite, that that the economy is working good for the middle class. But they just lie about it. And, and, And very few people call them out on it. They go on these talk shows, they go on CNN, MSNBC, and the others. And they'll, they'll, they'll parrot these talking points about the economy's not working. What, what planet are you living on? The economy is working for pretty much everyone. And I'll play a clip here in a few minutes of Tom Steyer talking about, you know, the tax cuts are just for the rich. That's not true. Factually, that's false. Oh, but let's not call them out on it. Let's just let the Democrats uh, keep parroting lies. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and go to this Tom Steyer clip. This is Tom Steyer on uh, a, a show talking about whether or not President Trump is a good economic president. Let's listen. The Federal Reserve Chair testified this week that labor force participation, basically, uh, you know, the share of Americans who work is low, 
is happening because, and in a negative place, because of the opioid crisis and problems with the education system. Is that how you diagnose the problem? Well, let me say this. Mr. Trump is a terrible economic president. This he was his Federal Reserve Chairman. Vi- I understand that. I'm going to address the Federal Reserve Chairman's statements. But I, this has to do with Mr. Trump. He's running on the economy, but he's really running on a Mar-a-Lago economy where he's given big benefits to rich people and big corporations in the short run. Well, there's Tom Steyer, the wannabe presidential nominee for the Democrats on CBS Face the Nation. Telling the host there, first, the question was about President Trump's Federal Reserve Chair. It wasn't even about President Trump. They always seem to turn the gun towards the president. Bad metaphor there, by the way. But they always seem to turn their focus and their attention towards President Trump. Even though the question had nothing to do with the president, had everything to do with the Federal Reserve Chair, Nonetheless, Tom Steyer parroting another Democrat talking point lie that the tax cuts were for the rich. Did the corporate tax rate go down? It absolutely did. It went down to 21%. It went down from 35 to 21%, the corporate tax rate. And if you, if you don't read into this, which it doesn't take much to read into, this is basic economics. If you say, well, the corporate tax rate went down, big businesses got a tax cut. Well, technically they did, but so did you in your federal income tax rate, which you would have noticed two years ago. But it is true that the corporate tax rate did go down. But what they won't tell you is what that results in. Does it result in more savings for the corporations? Yes, it does. But what they don't want to talk about is what the corporations do with those savings. And what the corporations do with those tax savings, which is their money to begin with, it's not the government's money. What the corporations do with those taxes is they expand their business. That's the whole, one of the top strategies for these companies is to grow and become better and wealthier and make more products and sell more products and get rich. There's nothing wrong with that. But the end res- one of the end results of tax cuts for corporations and small businesses is that the companies keep more money in their pockets. And by the way, the corporate tax rate applies to small businesses too. They keep more money and they use that money to expand their operations, which what does that mean? It means they hire more workers, which means there's more job openings. And what does that lead to? That leads to higher wages. Why? Because companies are having to compete for workers. So they raise their wages in order to draw good, solid, reliable, a good, solid, reliable workforce. These are the things, these are, this is basic economics. These are the things that the Democrats don't want to talk about because it, it shows and highlights their hypocrisy and their lies. Instead, they want to throw out the government, the latest government solution for our problems and say that they'll take care of it. And you look at history. Tell me one case 
in which the government took over what was a private operation or a private entity or a private sector or a private service. Tell me one instance where the government has stepped into what could be done privately and done an excellent job. It never happens. There is not one instance where the, where the government does things better than the private sector. Well, what about the military, Walker? Well, there's these things called private contractors, <laughs> and our government hires them out. Why? Because they do a good job for less money. You look at all the, the troops overseas, many of them are private contractors. They do a good job for less money. You look at the healthcare industry, this, this thing called Veterans Affairs. Their hospitals are nightmares. The wait time is weeks for some, for some patients. President Trump has done some things to improve that, but it's still not very good. And you look at private hospitals, private health care providers. Yeah, some of them have their own problems, but the, the service is 10 times better. Look at the IRS, for example. I mean, you would think they would at least have the IRS operations streamlined because that's them taking our money. But even the IRS, guess what their wait time is for to process a request? 60 to 90 days. I'm not talking about your refund. That takes 21 days or longer. But I'm talking about when you, when you correspond with the IRS and you're, you're dealing with them. The wait time is 60 to 90 days for a response. Can you imagine calling a company, like calling your, your internet service provider or calling your, uh, your TV provider and having to wait 60 to 90 days for a customer service representative? On a bad day, you have to wait uh, 10 minutes for a customer service representative for a company where you're paying them for their services. Why? Why is this customer service better? Because there's competition. But with the government, there is no competition. They can do a good job or they can do a bad job. And guess what? They still get paid. And that is about a three-minute lesson on why government control of things do not, does not work. Because there's no accountability. Well, we've got checks and balances. We've got, you know, lawmakers who are supposed to hold the executive branch accountable. <laughs> How's that working for us? How's that working for us in years past? I mean, the, the government couldn't even make the Obamacare website work. That's like a basic IT function that takes to design that Obamacare website should have taken at maximum a couple million dollars, maybe. That's even a little high. To make a website, our government spent millions upon millions to get that website to work. And guess what? They launched an Obamacare website. Didn't even work on the first day. And so before you believe that these Democrats running for the Democrat nomination for president, before you believe one word out of their mouth that the government can step in and fix a problem, it can't. And it'll always be that way. I want to transition to clip three here. This is Amy Klobuchar talking about, well, how illegal immigrants are more important than average Americans. Clip three, let's listen. 
There are the votes there to protect the dreamers. And I have been working on this uh, since I got to the United States Senate. Uh, in my first campaign, I actually had a bunch of ads run against me because I was standing up for immigrants. And when I think of dreamers, and I try to explain it to my state, I found a 99-year-old Hispanic war veteran uh, who was a dreamer when he was brought over to this country. And back then, he just went to Canada for a night and came back, and he was a permanent citizen because they needed him to serve in World War II. Now, not so easy. The dreamers are our future. The dreamers are so important in Nevada. And the best way we can get this done is to beat Donald Trump, but it is to pass comprehensive immigration reform. Well, there you have it. That's uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar at the debate this past week talking about how important dreamers are. And she pulls out this heart-tugging story about a 90-something-year-old veteran who was also an illegal immigrant. I'm not sure how that worked. He had to gain citizenship at some point. Nonetheless, my point here in playing that clip is how the left, the political left, has completely hijacked our terminology our word usage. Not only have they just hijacked it, but they've rewritten the definition of various words. They've changed what it was traditionally called an illegal immigrant or even an illegal alien at some point. They changed that usage, the word usage, to a dreamer. What's a dreamer? How good does that sound? My son's a dreamer. And then everybody's like, oh, the dreamers. We got to protect the dreamers. What are we talking? We're talking about illegal immigrants. I don't care what age they are. If you came across the border illegally, you're an illegal immigrant or an illegal alien. You're an unauthorized visitor to our country. And, you know, I heard, I've, I've heard various people, and I've even been guilty of this, talk about how, you know, there's the moderate Democrats and then there's the left wing of the Democrat Party. If you think about it and you look at their policy positions, they're all left-wing. They're all radical. They're, they've all gone insane. I mean, Pete Buttigieg is the mayor from South Bend. People are trying to label him as the moderate alternative. He's for killing babies up to nine months and even past that. And he's the moderate? Are you kidding me? They call Amy Klobuchar the moderate. She wants to legalize illegal immigrants. And so there's not really a moderate on the Democrat side. They're all far-left liberals. And we need to remember that. Because if we start to adopt this idea and start to foster this idea that if they're just for killing babies, maybe at like six months, then they're moderates. Or if they're just for legalizing a certain amount of illegal immigrants then they're moderates or if they're just for taking over half of our economy with government control then they're other moderates all of these ideas from the democrats from the top to the bottom they're all socialist marxist ideas and they're horrible for a country and have would have horrible effects on our country in the long term so if you remember anything from the show today, let's remember that none of the Democrats are moderates. They're all far left. Exposing Washington American Family Radio. We'll see you next week. <laughs>
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.